If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> well, hello, kiddies. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. And you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Lights, camera, action! In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There horror movie podcast welcome back everybody to the don't go out there horror movie review podcast just want to thank all our fans and listeners we really appreciate it tonight we have a very special treat for everyone as we have an absolute legend on the show today with over 230 acting credits to his name in a career that spans nearly 40 years known for his most famous voice role as a crypt keeper on the long-running tales from the crypt mr john kassir mr kassir thank you so much for joining us and as the Crypt Keeper would say, ask you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> but be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> How you guys doing? Doing very right. well. Good. Dude, you have the coolest voice, man. Oh, thanks, man. You hear, you're hearing everything clearly? Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Great. Great. Mr. Kassir, hey, it's an absolute honor to have you on this show. Um, as Nico alluded to with your intro, I mean, you've had you've had an amazing career. Um, could you talk a little bit about what got you into acting? I mean, is that something you've always had a passion for? And uh, we'd, we'd also love to hear about your time on Star Search. Oh, oh my God. You know, um, you know, I, I always wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. I mean, I, there was only two things. You know, I wasn't a very good student. I was uh, dyslexic as a kid. Um, I still have you know, some dyslexia, but it's not, you know, something that I've, you know, I probably would have been a better reader and writer uh, uh, professionally had I not struggled with, you know, taking things from my mind to the page. But, um, you know, I was, uh, what what I didn't get in those gifts, I got, you know, uh, was were given a lot of natural talents in terms of being able to present myself uh, physically and orally, um, right. you know, in class. And there was, you know, my second time in third grade, 
Um, <laughs> I had a teacher who recognized that in me and she was like, you know, you're, 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 um, you struggled all through, you know, your younger years of school kind of in your own mind, um, because you had, a, have a great imagination and I'd like to see you put that out in front of the class. And she had me read, you know, poems in front of the classes, the characters and that kind of stuff. And, and I always loved it. And I was involved in, in acting in theater when I was in elementary school and not so much in junior high school. I really was so into sports, um, was a lacrosse player and a football player, although I was only 135 pounds in high school. Um, you know, I was a very fast runner and got to play a lot of sports and, you know, every kid that plays sports starts to think in terms of the possibility of being a professional athlete. But uh, mm-hmm. my 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 scholarships in college and and, and uh, my uh, strongest sport was lacrosse. And there just really wasn't a way to make a, a living doing that. And uh, so I decided to go full time into my acting career and studied it in college and and through uh, theater and um in fact, in high school, my buddy Fred and I used to do all the morning announcements, and we'd do all these characters, uh, you, know, you know, today's morning announcement brought to you by a grant from the Mobile Corporation. And, <laughs> you know, we'd do invitations of the teachers and the Beatles. Hey, John, you're going to go to the, uh, to the uh, Jim Connor troupe? Yeah, I'm going to go. Don Paul, George, Ringo. You know, we'd do all this stuff and became popular doing that. And we'd advertise the plays that we would be involved in um, on That's stage great. at school. So it was kind of in my blood, you know. I was, you, I'd, we'd, we'd always enter all the – my buddy Fred and I would always enter all the um, uh, talent contests in school. He'd roll me out on a dolly as a, like a three-in-one machine or something. And I'd be like a popcorn machine and a washing machine <laughs> and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> That's great. And um, – you know, I used to imitate everything, whether it was voices or birds or animals or, you know, that kind of thing. And that's that's the kind of thing that keeps me busy now, um, even uh, at this point, 40 years into my career. Um, and so, you know, I, I decided I would study theater. I always wanted to be a theater actor because in front of a live audience, there's nothing like it. Moved to New York and um, it was really tough. You know, I mean, I, I, I got work, but it paid so little. Even off Broadway was the best that I was able to do when I first started out. Uh-huh. And that was that was pretty good for an actor just moving right. to New York. But, it you know, tough to pay the bills. So I started doing things like street performing out in front of the Metropolitan Museum. Oh, wow. And um, so that kind of started giving me my chops doing all kinds of, you know, working on all the skills that I had worked on as a kid and uh, gotten an off-Broadway show that was a big hit off-Broadway called Three Guys Naked from the Waist Down, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was a metaphor for how you feel in front of a, an audience when you're a stand-up comic. Okay. And um, so it was a, a musical about three stand-up comics and Scott Bakula, who you know from Quantum oh, Leap okay. and, nice. and now yeah. on, you know, on... Uh, Enterprise. Yeah, Enterprise and... and um, uh, NCIS, uh, New right. Orleans and stuff. And, uh, Scott and myself and a guy named Jerry Colker who wrote the piece, uh, you know, uh, had this, uh, this musical where we're three stand-up comics. It was a big, big hit off Broadway. And people started to think I was a stand-up comic. They were like, Oh my God, you do this so well. You should, uh, you should, uh, 
come on our show, Star Search. And I said, what is a singer? I go, I'm, you know, I can sing. I'm in a musical, but I'm not like, you know, Sam Harris was on the show at the time. He was so good. I was like, I can't compete with that guy. They go, no, we want you to come on as a stand up comic. I'm like, you know, I'm not really a stand-up comic. And they go, well, you can win $100,000. And I'm like, fuck, have you seen my act? Nice. You know, so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I went on and, um, and you know, I pulled from the sketch comedy that I did with my college buddies. And, and I, I pulled from my, my those years of working with my buddy Fred doing those those, you know, talent shows. And I pulled from my street act and I put together all kinds of bits that I could do on star search and I kept winning and I wound up in the semifinals beating Rosie O'Donnell, um, who was great, you know, even at that time. And, and, uh, and I just think my act was a little more unique and then, and then went up against Sinbad in the finals and I won. Nice. And the next, you know, next thing, you know, I got a hundred grand in my pocket and, um, and they're like, okay, you're going to be opening for Tom Jones in Vegas. And I'm like, Everybody's congratulating me. I'm like, how am I going to open for Tom Jones in Vegas? I have no act, you know. <laughs> I was like, I got, I got these bits I've been doing on the show. They go, well, get your ass in the club, and put your act together. So, man, it was, you know, if I hadn't had all that experience in the theater and street performing, I wouldn't have known what to do. But, um, you know, here I was, a guy who had been on stage like most of his life, getting the opportunity to go on stage every night in the comedy club and, and, and do the crazy stuff I had irritated my family with for years. <laughs> and, um, so my introduction to Hollywood was as a stand-up comic more than it was as an actor. And I kind of had to fight my way back to people taking me seriously as an actor. And of course, um, because I didn't really have an act, a lot of my act was doing voices and characters and that kind of thing in my first series was uh first and ten on hbo do you guys know that show yes sir yeah it was a lot of fun that was you know hbo it started out their formula of uh you know comedy sports and sex and you know obviously they brought me on for the sex part of it but uh no just kidding <laughs> but, um but here i played this bulgarian field goal kicker that could kick 60 yard field goals on the you know Hey, I'm Zagreb Skinuski from the California Bulls. I'd fuck you both, yes? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a really great character, and, and it, it kind of launched uh, me back onto the TV scene as an actor. And, um, and during that time, I got a call from my agent saying, hey, you know, they're doing this series on HBO called, First, uh, called uh, Tales from the Crypt. I was like, they're doing a series of Tales from the Crypt, and I loved it. I collected the comic books as a kid, and, you right. know, I was I was just thinking, you know, HBO wasn't that big yet. It was, a lot of people loved it, but not everybody had it. I think it was a small percentage of people that had it. I think the rest of the people went to other people's houses to watch HBO back then. <laughs> right. And um, you're talking about, like, 1988. Um, were you guys born yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was not yet. I'm 91. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, you missed out on a really good era. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> but um, you know, I I I, I thought it was just going to be some kind of little cult show for people who you know who love that kind of stuff. And they go, oh no, it's the biggest guys in the business are involved in this, you know. So I went down to audition for Kevin Yeager to his studio 
Um, and I'm sorry if I'm just jumping all your questions, but no, uh, no, you're fine. No, 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 but, go ahead. Um, this is this kind of all relates to each other. Is Absolutely. You can see how like one thing that I did led to the next. Correct. Because I mean, as an actor, you really don't know what path you're going to go down. You you know, you sit there going, "Oh, I want to be the next Dustin Hoffman," and they're like, "Nah, you're going to be the next Robin Williams." And you go, "Well, nobody could be the next Robin Williams." Okay, well, you're going to be a guy who just like works his entire career and never stops working. I'm like, I'll take that. You know, that's, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, tales from the crypt was, uh, was not only uh, a show that I loved because I, I grew up with the comic book and stuff, but it was also the thing that launched my voiceover career. Um, here it was, even though I had done voiceover pretty much my whole life doing everything from the morning announcements to, you know, making my friends laugh. Um, here I was, uh, you know, on one of the biggest voiceover jobs in the business, starting out my voiceover career. And so I went down to Kevin Yeager's studio and he and which was a, you know, which was an honor in, in the first place, because I got to walk in and see all these things that he had created for all these movies. And, right. you know, he took me into his office where he had been carving these clay models. And oh, my God, what an artist he is. Um and uh, and so he brought me into the back where other people had been auditioning. And I could see all these people looking at the copy with all the puns going, be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, this stuff sucks. And I'm going, no, these guys don't get it. It's from right. the comic book, man. This is like Shakespeare to this guy, you know. So we, we, Kevin took me into the back part of his, his workshop where he had like a little boom box with a microphone where he was recording people on a cassette for the producers. And I started doing the, that voice for him. You know, I had seen the, the version of the Crypt Keeper they were working on. They had a bunch of different versions. Um, and they all but they all had like rotting teeth and holes in their throat. Right. So I decided I'd give him that, you know, windy kind of crunchy sound to his voice and and sucking through his teeth and you know and I started <laughs> doing it for Kevin and he was trying so hard not to laugh over my recording that I started laughing and you know I, I was doing <laughs> I'd already decided I was going to do you know in my stand-up I used to do this bit um which was uh, uh the Wizard of Oz with all the characters you know, oh, I do like the entire, you know, as mayor of the Munchkin City in the county of the land of Oz, we welcome you most regally, but we got to verify it legally. You know, I do all the characters. And of course, I was like, you know, I'm going to give him this laugh, kind of like the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, and uh, but it'll be like, you know, the Crypt Keeper, this really horrifying, blood curdling, screaming laugh. So. I started doing it. And Kevin was laughing so hard. I started laughing. And I was like, oh, perfect. This guy laughs at his own jokes. It's it so works with the character. And I just, right. like, you know, I started doing it for him. And he's like shaking his head going, yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, <laughs> pointing at me. And the next day he had me doing it for Richard Donner and Joel Silver in their office, which was, you know, the two of the biggest producers ever in the business director, you know, producer, uh, um, uh, you know, Richard Donner, you know, Superman right. and, right. Superman. you know, and, uh, you know, all the lethal weapon movies and stuff. And, and here I was doing it for them in their office and they're like, OK, we'll see you on the set. I'm like, no way. This is, you, you know, first of all, you don't as an actor, you don't believe you have the job until somebody like, you know, calls your agents, makes a deal and you're actually on the set doing it. Right. Um, 
but they're sitting there going, okay, we'll see you on the set. And you're going, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the easiest job I ever got, you know? Um, but it was great because I got to put on all my own personality and, you know, do my stand up. And as you'll see, if you watch the episodes of Tales from the Crypt, you'll see it evolve more and more towards, um, you know, my own sense of humor as a character as they, you know, cut me more and more loose and saw what I was doing in the recordings and, and started, you know, going, oh, you're doing impersonations. Okay, we're going to do the Crypt Keeper as Stanley Kowalski in, you know, Streetcar Named Desire. Okay, we're going to do, <laughs> you know, uh, the Crypt Keeper as a shock jock Howard Stern. You know, we're going to do. That's and awesome. so they started doing more and more of that. And he, you know. Uh, when we first started, the puppet didn't work that great because they didn't give Kevin that much, you know, budget to work with. Right. So his mouth didn't move very much and, you know, and that kind of thing. So I, I had to make him talk slower and more ominously. I always wondered why season one was a little bit slower. OK, that makes yeah. sense. It was still fun and still made your, you know, it made your skin crawl. But it, and it was still funny, but it didn't, you know. Once, you know, the show took off there, they, you know, they let him spruce him up and he, and he put more, was able to put more servos with those little motors in it, in them and rebuild them and make him stronger and better. The $6 million dead man. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, we were able to do more of my stand up delivery that I always wanted to do. And, 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 you know, it, it launched a whole voiceover career on top of my, on-camera career of the many series that I did and guest stars on dramas and that kind of thing, you know, have over the years been overshadowed by, you know, the amount of voiceover work that I can do. Because honestly, you know, as an actor, you're limited by how you look and, you know, what they see you as and your age and your race and all these different things. And here I am as a voice actor, I get to play, you know, Deadpool as a superhero and I get to play, you know, Miko as a raccoon and, um, uh, you know, all these incredible characters and superheroes, stuff I would never get to play on camera, creatures and monsters. And and um, so, you know, I'm grateful. It's uh, it's been uh, a really great part of my career. And um, I'm, I'm so happy that it's it's caught on with a fan base as well as. You know, because you don't know what's going to be popular that you do. You know, it's like nobody knew Star Trek was going to be, you know, have that many generations, pun intended. And, you know, and (laughs) and it was going to be, you know, go on and on. And all those actors that, you know, uh, could go to conventions and, and, you know, sign autographs for all the fans and make some money and, you know, and have uh, fans that follow their work. So that keeps them working and. You know, and I, you know, you're lucky to have something like uh, the Crypt Keeper, um, you know, because honestly, we didn't know kids were watching Tales from the Crypt. And now we found out that there were more kids than adults watching the show. And, you know, there's a whole fan base in this generation of people who grew up with it. And it means more to them than the people who originally wa- were watching the show who were adults. So it's it's a uh, include, you know, so it, it came around the same way that it came around to me. Absolutely. You know. John, you've talked about your time in the theater, but you spent most of your career doing voice acting. Do you have a love or a passion for one over the other as far as live or voice performing goes? Um, 
You know, it's funny. It's changed over the years because, of course, it started out on the stage, which paid very little, little, but I loved it because you're in front of a live audience. You get to rehearse with the best actors in the business. You go out, you get sometimes, and very often a lot of the stuff that I got to do was new material that had never been done before. I mean, you always get that opportunity to go, oh, you're going to be playing Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. And you're like, oh, great. What a great character. But how many people have done that, you know? Um, playing Kenny in Three Guys Naked from the waist down was not only something that launched my career, but it was also a beloved character that I got to create. Um, and I got to do that a number of times in my in the business. And of course, as a voice actor, you get to do that a lot, too. Um, but, you know, the stage, stage acting, I get to use all my skills, all the skills that um, right, right. that I worked really hard to develop as an actor. Um, and, uh, and then of course, working on camera is a lot of pressure because, you know, you got to get it right and they move on. You know, it's, of course, if you don't get it right, you get another take, but at the same time you get very little rehearsal and you come in and you're working with actors and you, you may have to do, have somebody playing your brother or, you know, your lover or whatever. And you, you, you don't even know the person and you have to create all that really quickly. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, a great job. It's a, a good job where everybody gets to see your work. It helps promote your career. And, um, you know, it helps you make enough money to actually have a regular life, you know, whether it's right. health insurance or uh, owning a home or driving a car, uh, you know, all the different things that you would want to do when you have a job, um, a career and, um, uh, and then the voiceover, of course, is is just awesome because of the the reasons that I said. It's just you get to play a lot of things you don't get norm to normally play. I get to work with actors that I may may not get to work with otherwise. That are, you know, I mean, I worked with I worked with, you know, everybody from uh, Mr. T to William Shatner. You know, it's just that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've worked with with just some of the best, most amazing actors in the business. You're like, oh my God, you're you're the guy that was on. You know, uh, Mad Men, right? Yeah, that's right. That was me. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's like, hey, how are you? He goes, hey, I love, and they're sitting there going, I love your work. You know, the Crypt Keeper is one of my favorite characters, or I love what you did. You know, my kids watch your, you know, um, Rocket Power, and they just, they know who you are, and they love, you know, this kind of thing. And there's a certain level of that work. So everything has its own attraction for sure. The voiceover work has been good to me as I've gotten older, just not that I'm that old. And, um, I'm lucky enough to have good genes. And I mean, my dad's 96 years old and still oh, that's awesome. wow. jumping around. And my mom is, <laughs> my mom's 90, you know, uh, years old and still oh, that's in great. physically good health. Sadly, she has Alzheimer's and, um, uh, and to everybody out there, uh, uh, always, uh, donate to Alzheimer's. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it could have any one of us at any time. Um, sorry to throw that in, but, um, that's fine. No, no absolutely. But but seriously, I, I, I appreciate the fact that it keeps me working well into this part of 40 years into my career because right. I'm, I'm not typed out uh, by all the different things you'd be typed out for working on the stage or working on camera. And, um, you know, I mean, working on stage, you're working on an off Broadway show or Broadway show. You're doing eight shows a week. Um, yeah. You know, uh that's a tough schedule, you know, two shows on certain days and 
you know, you know, working your, your butt off on stage and it's, it's sheer joy. I love it. But, you know, you're expected to, you know, do that for a long time, months, years, sometimes, you know, and um, recreating the same thing every night and then trying to find something new every night you go on stage, which is right. the exciting part of it. But it's it's tough the older you get, you know, um, and but honestly, they just don't write as many parts for older characters and. They're usually monopolized by the, you know, the most famous older guy that's available, you know, that's willing to take right. the job. You know, this is why you see Michael Caine in everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Because he can. And who could blame him? I would want yeah. to do it, too. And he's drilled. It doesn't matter how bad the project or how good the project might be. He's always great. So, <laughs> you know. Um, and if you want to talk like Michael Caine, you, you put pauses in all the wrong places. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> that's great. But seriously, uh, I appreciate. I appreciate not only the work that I get, but I appreciate the type of work I get and I appreciate the fan base and I appreciate the people who hire me on a regular basis because they know that I'll come in and deliver um, whether it's Illumination, who I do. I work on all their films doing all kinds of different characters for their their movies whether it's the minions or the despicable me movies or the grinch or you know whatever they're so wonderful and so creative and and to, to get a chance to go in um with some of my other really talented voice actors and create all the the fun characters that pop in and out of the movie is a lot of fun um disney has been so great to me over the years i'm currently doing a uh a really great project for them, whether it was, and they, they love me coming in and doing animals or creatures. I did, you know, uh, Miko, the raccoon. And of course mm -hmm. I did, uh, uh, Elliot and Pete's dragon. And, and now I'm, uh, can't tell you too much about it, uh, or I'd have to kill you, but, um, <laughs> I'm playing a squirrel. Um, and he's, su it's such a great, it's a lead, uh, one of the title characters and he's such a great character, but it's, you know, bringing that stuff to life is not easy. Luckily, I live in a in a, a nature reserve area, so I I, uh, I have my pick of animals I get to imitate on a daily basis. Um, of course, it drives my dogs crazy, but um, and my wife too. But <laughs> <laughs> by getting the opportunity to do that on a regular basis and then bring it to life on the screen and humanizing the character as well, you know, bringing those uh, qualities to it is a lot of fun. But uh, that's my current project, and I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be working during this pandemic at home. Absolutely. And recording. Um, I wish the same for everybody to stay safe and, and um, you know, as the Crypt Keeper would say, six feet apart or six feet under. <laughs> <laughs> Mask it or casket. <laughs> Uh, you caught you caught me on guard with those. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> on my uh, on my cameos, I always go wear a mask, and then I put the crypt keeper's face in front of me. I go, no, not that one. You know, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun, and and uh, but yeah, we're in trying times, and entertainment's important, and I'm I'm lucky to be a part of it. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you were talking about. You know, you're you're voicing animals. I mean, you've done everything from being Buster Bunny to in Tiny Toons to Deadpool, and and uh, <laughs> that 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 makes me curious. I mean, um, you know, when you when you were doing uh, a Buster Bunny, you took over for another legend in Charlie Adler. Um, oh, I get it. Do, 
Did, did you try to, to mimic what came before him or did you put your own spin on it character? I mean, what, what kind of process do you have when you're finding these voices, when you're creating for these things? Uh, these you know, you get asked to vo voice double stuff, whether it's because the actor just doesn't want to do a cartoon of it or it's a game or whatever. And right. they want to voice match. And voice matching is hard. It's either. I mean, there are people who can do impersonations of everybody and but they're not the, necessarily the ones that get hired because they don't necessarily sound exactly like the person when it's recorded um oh, when we're watching and then we're like oh my god he's capturing him so well you know um and so sometimes it's just your voice happens to be in the pitch in the range of that different you know whether it's jackie stewart i don't believe it he's off the track he's into the you know into the rails <laughs> a dangerous business this you know there was just certain impersonations i've always been able to do um and then they send you something and you're like oh that's you know a beloved character from harry potter you know you better do him justice and but then there might be 30 guys who can do them so you put it out there you don't know who they're going to hire but for or for what reason they do it could be just because they worked for that person before but um when it came to buster bunny uh, first of all, I've worked with Charlie my entire voiceover career. He's one of, he's one of my absolute favorites. Um, he he lives pretty close to me. He beeps as he drives by my house, <laughs> which, which sucks when it's 7:30 in the morning. But um, <laughs> no, I absolutely love Charlie, and he directs a lot now. So he you know we worked we've worked together a lot in that vein as well. Um, but. Uh, you know, very often, sometimes they are trying to renegotiate characters they've done and they come to people and they go, hey, uh, you know, we want you to, you know, audition for it. And you're like, well, is this just so you can use it as leverage against the person who's negotiating? Forget it. I'm not going to do it. You uh. know, um, so um, the casting director had recommended me for to play Buster Bunny. Um, because they had done an episode where Charlie had done a Halloween episode where Charlie had done Buster Bunny doing the Crypt Keeper. Oh, okay. And he kind of, you know, it, it sounded like, would you imagine Buster Bunny doing an impersonation of the Crypt Keeper? And <laughs> they were like, well, if he could do the Crypt Keeper, the Crypt Keeper must be able to do Buster Bunny. So they didn't even ask me the audition. They just offered it to me. And I went to oh, my wow. agent and I went, wait a minute, is this, I'm not, you know, Charlie's a, not only a friend, but as somebody that I, you know, respect and admire. I'm not, there's no way that I'm going to do this if it's because he's in the middle of negotiating something or whatever. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and so I talked to Charlie personally. He goes, no, 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 no. We've, you know, I've been doing the show a long time. I'm getting other work and, you know, that uh, doesn't involve them. And, you know, we, you know, I've, I've had it with them for whatever reason. Um, I'm not going to, you know, tell tales because I don't know exactly what happened, but he was like, please do it with my blessing. And so, um, you know, I tried to, to, you know, capture what I saw when I watched the show. I didn't think of Charlie. I thought of Buster Bunny and, you know, they wanted me to do it, but they didn't want me to do a direct impersonation. Sometimes they want you to you know, just do it perfectly sometimes they want you to do what comes out in your personality but still sounds like him right you know like you'll watch some of the looney tune characters and every time they do a new one 
some of them are just sound exactly like the characters from the that Mel Blanc did, and some of them they want them. Oh no, we want you know it's like I did Pete Puma for um, for uh, uh, for some Tiny Tunes, um, and they wanted the the writer director wanted me to to give a put a little more of um, uh, uh, Tommy Chong in the character. <laughs> hey, man, what you talking about, man? You know, that's, so I throw a little bit more of that into him. Um, which I, and, you know, but of course I was able to, na- I'm able to nail him if I want, if they wanted that too. But, um, you know, so each time you hear it, there's, there's, it's got its own slightly different personality to it. Um, but, you know, we tried our best to try to, to try to capture the glee of that character and think more of the personality of the character and, and throw the voice in. And I, I don't know how many people noticed or whether um, they cared because the, the, the show was so good. I didn't really get to do that much of it anyway. Um, but people are I shy away from bragging about doing Buster Bunny because, you know, Charlie created them. I just, you know, I, I you know, I got to cover for Charlie. You know, it's, it's that's the way I think of it. Um, but I certainly, I certainly love the fact that people, you know, put me in that camp and consider me part of the uh, history of that show and, uh, enjoyed my version of, of Buster Bunny. Um, absolutely. Just because, uh, the guys, all the people that were involved in it were so talented and so wonderful to be, you know, in that fraternity, uh, even on a small part <clears throat> was uh, a pleasure for me. John, there's. You know, I've heard rumors of different attempts of trying to get a reboot of Tales from the Crypt, even M. Night Shyamalan being tied to a project. Is that something you'd be interested in revisiting as a Crypt Keeper again, man? Oh, definitely. We've been trying to get the rights back from EC Comics for years. Um, the M. Night Shyamalan um, project that was going to be done on TNT, they were going to do a whole hor- horror section that was um, being put together by M. Night. And... Um, it wouldn't have involved me or any of the people that I worked with on Tales from the Crypt. We had licensed oh, wow. from we had licensed Tales from the Crypt from EC Comics when when um, uh, William Gaines was still alive, and um, he loved the show. He, um, you know, uh, my producers had licensed it from him and had the rights to be able to do their own version of bringing the comic book to life. Um, and the Crypt Keeper we created was our version of the Crypt Keeper and all these things. Of course, once your rights are up, you still own rights to whatever you've created with that Tales from the Crypt brand. But you're right. You know, our Crypt Keeper, we can't use them as the Crypt Keeper for more things without having rights to Tales from the Crypt. He could be an actor. He could be, you know, the creepy dude doing stories or something. But, you know, without securing the licensing and you know they've been really particular about wanting to do something new with it i guess and so we never were able to get the rights back um my good friend and co-worker um jack wall whose job it was to you know merchandise and bring new things to tales from the crypt and bring it to the fans in many different ways um sadly passed away uh um 
a year and a half ago and, and, and we had a great working relationship. He was an older guy. He was, you know, um, and he, but he worked really hard for many years, uh, bringing you all the record albums and the Christmas album and the cartoon and the game show and the movies and all the stuff he was involved with helping to make those things happen. And they were just, you know, they were constantly trying to get the, the rights back from EC comics. So the, the, the M night, um, version was, um, they had, were going to license tales from the crypt from the EC comics and do their, their whole own thing with it. Um, whether it was because they couldn't get the crypt keeper, because let's face it, that's this whole, everybody who loves tales from the crypt. I mean, that's the brand, right. the brand, the brand is this Chris, this crypt keeper. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's the most ripped off brand, any horror convention or, or <laughs> anything you go to, it's everywhere. And I doubt they're paying licensing to anybody for it. Right. Right. Um, of course, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, you know, the EC Comics puts out their own stuff, some really cool stuff based on the comic book. Um, I have some really cool hats and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff, but it doesn't include our, our Crypt Keeper because he was our version of the Crypt Keeper. And so we own the rights to him, but we don't own the rights to Tales from the Crypt. So it's kind of a catch-22. That makes sense. So who knows? Maybe one day, you know, They'll come to us and go, you know what, who do you who who who's your person to put this together now and uh, let's do it, because honestly, we all know it would be a hit right off the bat. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just a matter of doing that. But, you know, unfortunately, it's above my pay grade in terms of getting that done. I just keep them alive uh, or dead and alive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the best I can. And um, luckily, the fan base helps me do that because they love them. And um, uh, I just, you know, people are like, are you, t- you ever get tired of doing that guy? I was like, no, come on. He's, he's, he's hysterical. It's a, it's a fun character. <laughs> it's not like I do him every day. Although with Cameo, now I, I kind of do almost do them every day. People request, <laughs> you know, whether it's birthday greetings. I've had people go, can you uh, announce the birth, uh, that we're pregnant with our first child? You know, as the crib keeper, <laughs> you know, That's and, um, you know, I'll do a, a tag or, or a, uh, you know, a little um, <clears throat> tag or bumper for somebody's podcast. Or, you know, I'm not allowed to, to go do commercials and advertising and that kind of stuff. I don't own the licensing myself to the Crypt Keeper, um, but I can, you know, as John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, hey, you know, I can wish people happy birthdays and all that stuff. It's me doing it. Um, and uh, and it's really fun. I enjoy doing it. it is, uh, it'll never get old for me. In fact, probably the older I get, the closer I get to the character. <laughs> well, I'm sure I speak I speak for, for everybody, uh, no doubt. <laughs> Hey, Brian, I think John's got you beat with the dad jokes, brother. <laughs> it's not him. It's the Crypt Keeper. He can't take credit. <laughs> you can't distinguish. You can't separate the two at this point. I used to have to do when Every season we'd launch this new season, they would have me go on, uh, you know, drive time radio shows. You know, um, every town has like two guys that do a ra- and a girl who do a radio show. Right. You know, uh, in the morning. Uh, with funny during drive time and there's you know hundreds of them and they would have me over the span of two days do like 50 something interviews a day starting on the east coast at five in the morning or whatever eight o'clock their time whatever and and you know 
on the phone as the crypt keeper doing interviews. And I would have to be able to speak as the crypt keeper with, uh, complete with puns and everything else. So over the years, you know, I probably was sharper back then because I was doing it all the time, um, you know, talking for hours as the crypt keeper. But, um, you know, there's just so many puns your head will remember. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, I think I speak for everybody when I say, like, you know, Robert England is Freddy Krueger. You know, Brad Dourif is Chucky. You know, no, you no are the, you are the Crypt Keeper, you know, in everybody's eyes. So if they did do a reboot, I, I think they would be sadly mistaken if they did not come and get you back to do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I like I said, you never have control over that. There's so many people who have been right. Didn't get to reprise things that they did early on and that kind of thing. You just got to let that go. Um, but sometimes it's like, come on, <clears throat> the thing wouldn't be popular without your added work to it. You know, exactly. obviously, you know, Kevin and those amazing puppeteers brought the physical life to the Crypt Keeper life. But, um, you know, I can still continue to do it without all that, which is which is, uh, you know, an amazing part of being a voice actor. You can still bring the character to life um, if they let you uh, on your own. Um, which is a great thing. We'll just have one more question for you, if that's okay. Um, no, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's been well. It's been great. Okay, man, love you. See you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun little question. I mean, uh, shifting gears totally the opposite direction. I mean, we started asking this uh, when we had the beautiful Lisa Wilcox on the show, and we've actually found we've gotten a lot of crazy answers from uh, from different people. So, um, so obviously you do conventions every once in a while. I mean, what is – What's the craziest or weirdest experience that you've either had or seen at one of those conventions? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's there's usually, a lot. That's there's usually a lot the first response that everyone says when we ask them that. <laughs> oh and, almo and almost every female we've had on the show has said they've been felt up, and that was the weirdest. So, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you've been probably, felt up, I mean. <laughs> it was probably by Gary Busey. And I didn't yeah. say that. I <laughs> there you go. Um uh well no i've been felt up too but um uh <laughs> you know it's well, great because they, they, the 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 fans are diverse you know i mean you get everything from a guy who you know graduated from harvard but he's covered in tattoos uh you know i mean i get a lot of i get a lot of crypt keeper tattoos and of course one of the weirdest things is they come up and ask you to sign the tattoo and they go get your signature tattooed um, which is at first was like the first time it happened was a kid was getting it done. He had the Crypt Keeper tattooed on his neck oh, wow. and, and, um, the kid was young too. I mean, he looked like he didn't even look old enough to legally have a tattoo, but I'm sure he was, but he just looked <laughs> so young. And I was a rock and shock and he had come down from Canada and caught me on a Sunday just before I was getting ready to leave. He's like, Oh, I'm so glad I, I mean, you know, he threw his hair, he had long hair, he threw his hair back and goes, I have this tattoo, his Crypt Keeper on his neck, he goes, I need you to sign it so I can get it tattooed, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> wow. which I did, and he did, um, I did, I was at a, at a convention where, um, a, uh, um, you know, some, some of the conventions, they have Playboy models and this kind of thing to attract that, that part of the business, and, right. um, this happened to be a porn star, and she was there with her, uh, husband, and they were sitting at the table, and they, as, People came by, they were like, oh, would you, you know, would you sign, um, and I'm not going to say her name, let's just call her, uh, let's just call her Kitty, 
Is okay. it, would you sign? Would you sign Kitty's? Uh, you know, would you sign your signature on Kitty? She's going to get it tattooed, and so everybody that was there, uh, she was covered in um, uh, celebrities' tattoos, and um, I think I my tattoo was just below her navel, and um, my uh, my signature. And all I kept thinking was someday somebody's going to turn on a porn <laughs> and there's going to be a, a J shot on my uh, <laughs> uh, on my signature. <laughs> and uh, so that was probably one of the weirdest things that's happened to me uh, at a convention. There are probably a lot of we- a lot other weird things, but that's 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 one of the things, weird things that come to mind in that vein. Um, <laughs> Pause that. And get, oh, what, wait, is that John Kassir? <laughs> that's great i love the kid that the crypt keeper got away with all kinds of stuff i used to you know like i'd improvise stuff and never knew if they were going to use it and i remember improvising i love a girl who'll give you head and then let you keep it <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week it was in the show oh that's great <laughs> yeah so you know it's like it was hbo after all so we could go anywhere we wanted you know i don't i don't pretend to be a teetotaler that's for sure uh well thanks guys this has been a lot of fun absolutely uh, i wish you guys the best the beast and all your fans out there enjoy <laughs> <laughs> well thank John, you very much. uh before we let you guys I just wanted to uh give your cameo a quick shout out uh you did one for us we really appreciate it. is there any other way people can follow you and support you man um, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram, uh, I'm on Facebook, Facebook, you know, they only let you have 500 people, so you can put it out there. And if somebody pops off, I'll, I'll add whoever has been there the longest, but you know, that's always a, a precarious thing, but you can follow me there and you're going to get to see everything that I put up there, whether, whether you're put on as a friend or a follower. Right. And then of course, Twitter, um, I use Facebook the most just because I can actually, converse with people and go back and forth a little more um lately i've been posting uh my um uh cappuccino rorschach test where each day i make a cappuccino for myself and and then post a picture of it people tell me what's in the swirls and you know in the cappuccino which is a lot of fun um but of course my you know cameo go to the cameo app uh go to the cameo website is the best place to book it uh, for some reason on the app, they charge you a little more because of the, uh, you know, the, the fees to, to Apple or whatever. But so go to the, the cameo.com and, and look me up and, you know, those are fun. They're, they're well worth it. I mean, you, you know, how often do you get, you know, celebrities to do that kind of thing for you? Um, it's a great gift, especially if you're stuck at home these days. Um, and I'm enjoying doing them. I, 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 I try to make each one as special as I can for each person, but, you know, um, and, uh, it's a lot of fun. We all have a lot of fun doing it. So. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we're going to wrap it up now, John. We really appreciate it. Hey, kitties, may all your screams come true. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to call back on that one. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Take Stay care. safe. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.